Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. again with another spin the rally pod your rally fix as we wait for our sport to restart i'm rally fan lisa rose sullivan joined by the expert crew who know all about spin voice of rally colin clark good morning colin are we awake only just lisa it's an unearthly hour for a podcast <laughs> only just good morning though former sporting team director george donaldson is raring to go morning george Good morning, Lisa. Yes, I am ready to go and I am reminded as we speak, sorry to, to drag this out, I'm reminded as we speak of all the times I've shared uh, little uh, flats <laughs> with Colin on rallies and I've thrown him a coffee in the morning. We're talking secondhand, we're talking grumpy <laughs> and, then, and then finally, finally excited as we're heading out towards some patisserie somewhere where he can, where he can get his second coffee and and some delicious little mm. thing to eat, which, okay, I share his excitement for that 100%. Great to hear you, Colin. Lisa. Thanks, David. George. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no baked goods to offer you at the end of this one, Colin, so you're just going to have to wait for that caffeine fix to hit in. And, of course, we can't do this without Dirtfish senior staff writer David Evans. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lisa. I, I've got to say, I do feel as though we're making a podcast breakfast show this morning. I feel like Simon May or somebody, uh, or perhaps <laughs> John Humphreys. Probably not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm overplaying my part there, aren't I? Chris Double Evans. Point. Chris <laughs> Evans is good. You, you kind of you got the same hair as Chris Evans. Shut your face, Clark. Go <laughs> <laughs> back to the sleep, Colin. Well and truly burnt there, David. <laughs> well, this is perhaps the nearest we can go to making you feel like you're on event by getting you up at some ridiculous hour. We are going to be talking today, though, David, um, yep. at your suggestion about Safari Rally because that's what we should be talking about. We should be, you know, reveling in all things. Africa and getting all excited about the history and the return mm. and uh, and Safari Rally, but of course, due to we're the <laughs> longer and probably not. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> so we'll relive it in our heads. That hasn't uh, happened. Absolutely, and we will relive it on Dirtfish.com this week, of course. Um, but yeah, you're you're exactly right, Lee. Astonishingly, even though it feels like it should still only be April or May, it is July the thirteenth. Crikey, Monday the thirteenth. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we should all be <laughs> heading south to. Uh, to, to Nairobi, uh, to to Africa, and to the first safari rally since 2002, which would have been hugely exciting, and will of course be hugely exciting next year when we get there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's another one of those just bizarre events, isn't it? That it is. You kind of can't it, believe it that this and, year is happening. And you know what? It's, I, I, you know, David, I know you've done a number of safaris, and George clearly is the the king of the safaris. But I've never been. I've never <laughs> been, and it's one of those events that I really, really was looking forward to. I, I don't know if I told you guys previously. But I, I, when I was younger, I used to read everything by Wilbur Smith. And Wilbur Smith sets <laughs> a lot of his books in Africa. And and you, you know, yeah, reading can can instil 
feel a passion and I have an absolute passion for Africa I was so looking forward to it but as you rightly say David we'll be going next year but still it's uh, it's a massive disappointment I used to work with a cameraman who was named off Wilbur Smith hero Dax yeah his name was Dax <laughs> yeah. which yeah, I've he never has, heard he of some, before yeah, yeah pro- <laughs> proper strange kind of old school hero names <laughs> so, so we're back to 2002 since the safari rally last ran George were you there I certainly was and it was the most disappointing safari rally I had ever done um, uh, first time I was ever in a team where uh, all the cars had retired and that was pro drive and yeah. it was just unbelievable uh, and it was the same similar problem as happened the previous year it was I don't know I, I still I still uh, I still struggle with that one it hurts me it hurts me yet that we retired uh, f- from that event I'd, I've had hard we- safari rallies but never retired when did you join uh, Subaru I joined in uh, just in 2001 so, so you, you didn't get a win with Subaru then I didn't get a win with Subaru no, no. but you got a few well, wins in- with Toyota interestingly interestingly I was there in 2000 as a spectator because I'd, uh, Toyota had stopped at the end of 1999 and I was in Formula 1 but I had heaps of holiday built up over a number of years really to, to take back from uh, from from the team um, or from the company um, so I had about 40 odd days holidays in, in spare and I took a whole load in January and then I, then I took another uh, two weeks or week and a half or something to go out to Safari Rally wow. I had lots of air miles as well at that time so I went out to Safari Rally oh, and air miles. Uh, I, I, of course, all, all my all my former friends and colleagues were were many of them were still involved, of course, and and uh, I got on very well with John Spiller, the team team manager of of Subaru at that time, whom I eventually took over from. But uh, John was fantastic, and uh, we spent a fair bit of time, obviously, out on the section spectating, and then uh, in the in the service park, as it were, just listening to their radios and sitting in their little uh, under their little awnings, drinking tea or whatever it was we were drinking and eating their food and being part of their team. All Almost in in a strange way, uh, it was brilliant, mm. and and they, so, they won that. It was, it was I think it was Richard that won that, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it was so, a so George, event. back in two thousand and two, so you're saying you had two years in Subaru where the cars didn't finish. Were they still building in those days specific Safari cars? Well, I know they'd have to be modified, but you know, back in the day when you guys at Toyota were putting so much effort into it, cars yeah. were built specifically for the rally. Two thousand and two, was that still the case? Uh, not 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 so much the case. Um, basically the, the way that Mitsubishi did it, which we've heard on, on our podcast so, so well from, from Derek Donsey, is that they, they basically uh, just figured out how long a part would last and changed it pretty well every service, you know, and and, uh, and managed it that way. At Subaru, basically very similar. You did make the car a bit stiffer. You made it as high as you could, so you're trying to get as much suspension travel out of the car. Very long sections, quite fast, and the roads are mud roads as opposed to as, as David as David said uh, on the last podcast, and I didn't take him a task for it. He said, "Oh, these are man-made roads." So I've never seen a Sorry, natural George. road formed formed naturally <laughs> with, with the environment. The, the, the geography doesn't do, but I know what you meant. I mean, a beautifully man-made road or just a gravel, a, a, a mud road. So in Kenya, they're mostly mud roads, just a road carved through the bush with no substrate in it to make it stronger. So you get massive ruts, you get massive holes that form from little rivers and and uh, arrows. That that uh, uh, how I forget how you pronounce it. Arayo, uh, little pond, ponds and puddles and temporary streams. Um, so the, you get these 
huge bumps and 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 dips and and ruts. So the car the car suspension does take a hammering. So you get as much suspension travel out of it as possible, so that the suspension absorbs the shock and it doesn't get transferred to the chassis and, and break it into mm. two pieces, which we've all seen on Safari Rally. So yeah, they they they, they do those modifications, but fairly fairly minimum. Um, mm. The cars were kind of strong enough as they were those World Rally cars. But but I have to not, say, George, clearly not that what you what you're describing there, and David, you'll have seen them as well. The, the videos that we saw coming out, a friend of ours, a guy called Jeff Mays, who actually works on one of the uh, wildlife estates out there that one, one or two of the stages were running through. He sent a number of videos through of, of wreckies through the stages, and they're very similar, George, of the, the stages are. that were they planned well, this year. Yeah, very similar to what you described there. So I, I, I do wonder how much the teams, how much obviously M Sport and Hyundai and Toyota, how much extra they would have put into the existing cars. David, well, I didn't hear the, anything about the, that. Did, they're, did very, you they're very limited. George? I don't think homologation wise, yeah, yeah. you can't you can't do very much. You would just adapt no. the car to to to, to give it as what, much what travel as you could. Basically, yeah. basically, um, the Safari Rally that we that we were going to have this year is kind of like the, the 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 last two that we had. Well, actually, the last five or six that we had in that it was it's a service park. In this case, it's a single service park, not not moving around at all. But they were quite creative with the route, so they're using the area around uh, Suswa uh, to mm-hmm. well, basically basically to the the, the north of Suswa and to the west of um, uh, Lake Naivasha. So it was a rift valley, wasn't it, George? It's, 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 well, the, the whole of Kenya is basically rift valley, but it is. It's, it, it, as you drive out of Nairobi north up towards Naivasha and, and Nakuru, where, where the rally is going to be based, you, you, you climb up a, a, a vast escarpment and you're, you're going through a pine forest. And honestly, there's times when you're going up there, you could easily be in Scotland or Scandinavia. And you're thinking, where am I? This can't be Kenya. This is not Kenya. Everything's completely green. And you get right up to 7,000 feet as you drive out of Nairobi. You're starting at five. You go up to about seven, seven and a half thousand feet, I think it is, up there. And then there's a place there up there, just a, a little lay-by. It's the Rift Valley viewpoint. Mm. And it's compulsory to stop there. And, and <laughs> you will be offered soapstone trinkets from uh, from the little vendors there. But the most amazing view out to the west over Longanot uh, Crater and in the distance, Suswa Crater, Suswa Volcano, which is a huge volcano, which doesn't look like anything when you look at it. Longanot Crater is a much smaller one and it looks utterly classic. And you look down into the caldera about, I don't know, 10 kilometres away. It, it's it's uh, fallen to the, to the side of the viewpoint. and But you look right into the caldera on this extinct volcano uh, and you're at 7,000 feet. And then, you're lo- then you're, you, you, you have this incredible, almost a pastiche of looking down at the Rift Valley uh, and, and all the little uh, down the sides of the valley where there's there's lots of moisture, there's a huge amount of little patchwork of patchwork of fields and 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 small agriculture, and then you get down to the plain, down to the bottom where the volcano is, and looking right across to um, oh what's I forget the name of the little town on the other side. So it's looking across towards Narok, about sixty kilometers, fifty sixty kilometers away. The escarpment goes back up the other side, and that is the Rift Valley, as mm. you can see, or, or a little part of the Rift Valley at least, because the Rift Valley is huge. And it's just the most amazing thing to see. Sorry to rant on, but yeah, as so you can tell, I've got to say, I, I absolutely agree with that, George, that when you're driving up through that forest, you could be anywhere and you could be in Scotland. Yeah. But then equally, yeah. I do remember getting to the top and stopping in that viewpoint. And there was definitely something that reminded me that we were not in Scotland when yes. the monkeys <laughs> monkeys or baboons or whatever they were jumped on the car. No, there's, no, there's, no, yeah. there's no baboons up there at the viewpoint, is there? I've never seen oh, any. 
if a bin's up there. I'm you sure. on the way up through, but uh, you see them on the way down. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were very large well, and very well, scary. What scared me, scared me more than that, was, was our friend again, Jeff Bays, kept sending, yes, little videos of the stage, but then he'd occasionally send photographs of prides of lions and mm. things at stop lines. At stop lines. Oh, See, this man. is the stop line for stage two, yeah. Colin. How would you fancy this one? Yeah, not very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be sitting in my car. This is a man you know? who used but, to get worried about um, wee beasties, yeah. that you'd see uh-huh. something rustling that was probably the size of a dormouse and on the radio side of things, I'm thinking, uh, something coming, something coming. Yeah, it's a bear. Do you remember it's the, a bear? Bear. the bear? <laughs> yeah, I remember the bear. In, in Japan. It was a mouse. In Japan, it turned it out to be mouse. a very large dog. It was a dog, a very large dog. In the distance, it could have been a bear. And that, that was all Denny Girardet's fault because I'd seen Denny Girardet that morning and he was doing some work for Subaru and he'd been through the stage that we were on. It was actually the stage. Remember the stage where Peter Solberg crashed, the penultimate yes. stage of the rally yeah, around yeah. Japan? Mm. He'd been going up the hill there and that was a stage that went That's up a point. valley to the top of the hill, down the next valley, back down again. So you, you had to go up the one stage to come back the next one. And he'd been driving through at about four in the morning and had followed a bear for about 500 metres. <laughs> this bear just ambled along in front of him, just, you know, a bit like something out of, what's the film with the bears, with Baloo the bear? I want to be Book. like you. Yeah, a bit like Jungle Book, you know, <laughs> driving along with this bear. So I had bears, I'd seen him, and he told me the story, and I had bears in my head all day, and then I saw this bear and got really very excited dog. and looked a little closer. Yeah, it was a dog. It was a dog, a very, very, very the big dog. spotted Japanese dog uh, bear. Yeah, those were happy days. Happy days, that's another one, Japan to look forward to. But, but guys, you Safari, and it, and it is it is something very special. It's very, something very special in terms of the, the history of the World Rally Championship because it's so different. And it for me, it really does typify why rallying is so special because you are sports about diversity. Uh, you, you know, Formula One is fantastically exciting at times, and we saw that this week with that race in Austria. But but you know, we go to these these incredibly different settings and venues and different challenges every month for rallying, and nothing really typifies that more than the safaris of old, I suppose. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think the the, the real classics, of course, were um, all through the seventies, eighties, and and the early nineties. I think that you know that's when we started to see the specialist cars coming in. Pre that, they tended to be, I, mean, I suppose, the late sixties, but they tended to be Austin Healy's and uh, Volvo P five four fours and and Saab Saab ninety sixes type things. Saabs, uh, I just, love Saabs. Just, just a a generally quite a strong uh, you know production car <laughs> adapted for rally. And then we then of course we saw the, the you know the Mark One escorts. The minis were never strong enough, never enough suspension travel to survive a, a safari. They did try. The factory cars did try a couple of times and failed hopelessly. Wow. Um, Remember so those Subaru, Subaru, those tiny Subarus, the Subaru George, Vivios, the Vivios. Vivios. Yeah. yeah, and they yeah. Colin used one, didn't he? And what, he did. Yeah, he just, he, just he, he thrashed it to death. I think it lasted about a day and a half, which was about, <laughs> honestly speaking, because I remember speaking to him before the rally. I said, Colin, how are you going to play this? He said, I'm going to kill this. Quite you said it's quite strong. You said I'm just going to thrash it, and I said, I said, I, you could, I mean, I, I reckon he could have got a remarkable result if he'd finished. And I remember discussing it with him, saying, look, you know, why don't you just like try and shepherd it a little bit, but you know, you know, use your speed where you can, and 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 be smart with your notes and mm. everything. And he looked at me, and said, yeah, yeah, that's quite a good idea. Now nah, I'm going to thrash it. <laughs> 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 we did actually have that discussion. I do recall it, and and he did. He, he killed it about a day and a half, which is probably a day and, a day and a quarter longer than than he, than he expected. 
to be fair. Um, but one of them finished it. I think Patrick Nigiru drove one as well. Patrick um, Nigiru uh, was, they, they, they did it quite a few years. Um, did they? Did Richard not do it in one as well? No, I think he did it in a Group N car, didn't he? did he? it in, in a Group, group N, N car, right. Brezzo, yeah. yeah. I don't think he finished either. I can't remember. I no. remember the first. I remember the first year that Richard came. They came. Uh, Robert had phoned me. I'd given him my uh, my phone number in the workshop in in Nairobi. It must have been. Would it have been ninety four? Ninety yes. four, yeah, something like that. I guess it would have been about then. And I'd given him my phone number. Said, "Look, you, you know, when you arrive, give me a call and and come along." So he did. He came into the workshop and he looked at all the the Group A Toyotas and we we chatted. And uh, I said, "Come on, we'll go back to the Serena Hotel for lunch." And um, in Nairobi, you know, the traffic was the traffic, so it was basically a race back to the hotel. It was pretty horrendous. Anyway, I can I can honestly and legitimately say that I have raced uh, Richard Burns and I've beaten him. <laughs> Now, and he, the, the, and I can tell you, he was very determined. It wasn't an easy one. It was a tough one, Lisa. Don't belittle this win. No, this I almost, know. I'd take it. This was a sub world <laughs> championship win, but it was, I, I mean, we were on pavements, across the parks, all sorts of nonsense that you could do back then. It was great fun. Good lunch. Good lunch. I, but I, I remember think we, talking to Richard. Richard was fun. So we we're, 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 have we digressed off off track? Here? No, Sorry. no, no. We haven't, George. Because I think one thing that we do have to talk about is the Uhuru Highway uh, and the the road coming in and out. It's this one main road that comes in and out of Nairobi. I think probably goes right through Kenya but we or I only drove a certain section of it but it's the first and maybe not the only time I remember some of this in Jordan as well that you would be driving in the dead of night not the dead of night but it, it would go it went quite dark quite early I remember it goes um, dark about it goes dark about uh, starts the dusk is about 635 640 yeah and complete pitch is five minutes later yeah the, that's the, that's the, right there is no there is no dusk and there is no dawn there is a pre-dawn light and then bang it's there it's like uh, it's like out of a movie set when someone just turns yeah. the lights on. But it's it, it just an incredibly dark road. Obviously, no streetlights. Mm. And it was a two or three lane, probably a three lane motorway, the nearest thing that in those days that Kenny got to a motorway. And you'd be driving your hire car up there quite slowly. And you'd pass the odd person walking down the central reservation on the roadside of it. Uh, and then happily, you'd, you'd either come across the, a huge plume of black smoke. You'd slow down a bit and find a truck going incredibly slowly with no lights, hopefully yep. going in the same direction as you. But more often than not, <laughs> coming in the other direction towards you. Oh, not Honestly, good. it yeah. was, the, you know, at the time it was absolutely terrifying. But yeah. looking back, yeah. it was completely just part of the adventure. It's can I absolutely ask about the, part of the adventure, yeah. Can I ask about the actual rally side of things? We talk, when I, when I hear you guys talk, obviously you're talking about how robust the cars needed to be to actually finish the event. What kind of time gaps were there between the, the cars as they were finishing the stages? Um, were they close? Were they tight? Yeah, they would be sometimes 10, 15, 20 seconds, uh, sometimes sometimes a minute, sometimes two minutes, sometimes five minutes, you know. Hey, George, George, the yeah. other thing that we saw was, you know, I, I remember sitting watching, I think it was Safari, uh, Channel 4 were covering it, uh, and it was on a Saturday night, they had an hours programme, I remember sitting in the kitchen watching it, um, and it was fantastic coverage, it really was, 2003 or four probably, uh, and, and you know, we saw two, it from the helicopters, yeah. two, so two, sorry, um, yeah. yeah, of course, uh, you know, fantastic helicopter coverage, and, and see really back in those days that you could take different routes almost the road book obviously there yeah. were long sections between instructions and the road book so I remember McCray and it's quite famous footage isn't it McCray you know the, the road book or the, the, the stage was supposed to go down through the riverbed and there was a really bumpy rocky riverbed and he decided to stay up on the bank 
and he went right across the grass and things like that could I suppose affect times massively but but that again must have been part of the um, the allure the attraction of, of, of the safari the fact that you did have to make those decisions you don't make those decisions anymore you completely stick and you know the rule is two wheels on the road or you're you're, you're penalised aren't you but in those days you could be well off what was considered the road as long as you were following well, the instructions in you, the road book you, you, you probably find that wasn't the riverbed that they were driving down it just turned into it had, it had turned into a riverbed because of yeah, it, because yeah. the cars going over it and the trucks so you quite often find five or six routes you know you have a main sort of artery where you're you know you're at point B and you're you know you're headed at 180 degrees 20 kilometers down the road not quite straight but there may be five or six roads you know sometimes several hundred yards apart all going down there so you pick your road I remember that one in particular because it was I think it was up I think I've got a feeling that was up on the Mau escarpment and uh, or, or that area could be completely wrong but the road was the road was quite well defined as you said in this in this uh, almost like with with banks on the side almost like the Azores mm. rally really you know with the, exactly. high, the high banks and he just completely deviated up and, you, and there was quite a few people that was obviously near a main road and there was people in there with their uh, with all their pickups and um, Pajeros and also Mitsubishi Shoguns as they're called in this country but yeah Colin Colin just literally hopped up over this bank and moved moved off 50 60 maybe even 100 meters out to the left and zigzagged through other tracks and he, he yeah. continued to do that for five or six kilometers and was he overtaking incredible. somebody at the time I think he actually did he not pass somebody Quite I think possibly. he might have done yeah. he might have actually passed someone which which makes it an easy pass because passing on a, on a gravel road in the dust is you know nigh on impossible you're going to have to find mm. another route and your helicopter can help you in those circumstances mm. so the helicopter can see away but the helicopter flying along at 50 60 miles an hour sometimes even you know near nearer you know 160 170 kph and 100 miles an hour plus you, they can't see all the potholes and bumps because you're, they're, they're getting a two-dimensional uh, look straight down at the road they'll, they'll miss everything but it can be huge help and yeah. um uh, allow the, the, the driver to, to, to pick up those little options. Do you think, do you think, you know, it has been, I say, 2002, George, the last time, 18, 19 years. It'll be 19 years, certainly, by the time we go back next year. Is there a chance that we're going to be a little bit disappointed? Well, I, I was it, thinking it, uh, that we were, Colin. It's a great question. I was thinking we were. And then one of my old friends, uh, Glenn Edmonds, from, from Safari Rally, of, so, from Kenya, actually, not he wasn't necessarily part of the organising team on Safari Rally, back there I met him at um, uh, Andrew Cowan's memorial service and it was a sad event but of course as always in Scotland there's always a jolly get together afterwards and I got uh, I got myself half an hour with Glenn and Glenn showed me all the route and we went through it and I'm looking at the old sections up on the up across Hell's Gate from uh, from the Narocks from, from Lake uh, Naivasha across to uh, the Suswa side and then back again I'm thinking hang on okay these maybe aren't 90 kilometre sections but they are sections. They they will be a challenge. They'll be no different. These, these roads will not be better than they were previously. So yeah, David, your earlier question: How much will they be? How much? Uh, how much extra will the teams be doing for the cars? Well, I don't think they're allowed to. The parts are homologated on the car, so it's going to be up to the drivers to shepherd those cars to get them through. Otherwise, they're going to be getting towed back later, super rallied and back out there again. But they would have done some some of the really cool safari bits, wouldn't they, George? They would probably put the the extra lights on them and maybe some some rubars on the front and um, a, the odd snorkel. I mean, um, these... I'm, again, I'm not sure if you're allowed to 
do that for, that, under I the think homologation. From um, what I was told, there was there was certain dispensation for this event. There was. Um, okay, so just, what you would absolutely want to do, David, is you you would want to get the car as high as you possibly yeah. could. Not well, not to the point that you don't have any droop on the suspension because droop's just as important as um, as compression. But um, you you these cars have huge suspension travel, as we've seen. You know, the mm. car, you see the cars jumping in in uh, in in Finland, and you know they land like a cat after mm. you know, effectively what might be a three or four meter drop over the over the piece. They've maybe never been more than a meter over above the road, but they come down, they land like a cat. So mm. we've got great suspension already. Hopefully that will be strong enough. I'm sure it probably will be. It's just a matter of having your start point a little bit higher, so you you will you will use that suspension in quite a different way. Now that's a massive engineering task. That's a complete redesign of the way the shock absorber is going to work. I'm, I'm quite sure of it because it's not designed to do that. It's designed to keep the car really low and the centre of gravity low. You don't want to lose all that, but you actually want to be able to drive over rough stuff quickly. Um, and I'm sure the teams will have sent people out for recce. So I'm sure that somebody's been out and around on uh, on the, the stages and that the teams know what they're, what they're hitting and they'll have figured out what they want to do. New uh, generation what, what, George Donaldson. Sure they'll have done that. So, But what we also... Boston, what we also should remember there George with the suspension is that we talk a lot and you know we always remember the really slow bits of safari but there were some really really quick bits where unbelievable where you'd have, you know where you've got the car yeah. high up and you know uh-huh. the, the the car the, the sort of centre of gravity is high you get a lack of precision don't you on some of those well, really the, high the car, the car moves around you know, when you get yeah. up to 130 140 miles an hour on a hard gravel road and there are hard gravel roads with the odd little rut here and there that mm. you have to lift the car over literally you You'll drift it sideways and then pop it up over a, a, a set of ruts to the other side of the road. And I've seen it being done at 130, 145 miles an hour. Fred Gallagher once on a test, which I was at in the Group B Celica, so that was 1986. Uh, they were, they were, I think they were doing a tyre test, and it was up about a 15 or 16 kilometre section of road from uh, near Naivasha back up towards Elementaita Crossroads, it was called. I can't quite remember the length of the section. But Bjorn was driving the car up there, turning at the top and coming back down. And Fred had calculated the average to the, the, the start-finish point uh, that, that we had. or the, uh, It was a rolling start-finish, a flying finish, obviously. I think we ended up with a flying start on it. But he was he was working out that they were doing it was 143 miles an hour average up and down. God. And that car, I think, could do 148. It, 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 it had lots of power. It had plenty of power for Africa. It's a flat, hard road. So it was, you know, it was, it, what the road wasn't absorbing terribly much power and we were seeing what the car could do and that's why the Celica won originally it won because it had top speed and it had huge suspension travel and the suspension was unbelievably strong uh, but it was more like a group it was honestly it was more like a group A car than a group B car almost group N plus because you know it was an old Atlas axle in it it was uh, front suspension arms were not handmade they were other suspension arms from something that had been modified strengthened beefed up different ball joints on it it was all stock parts even on that group b car or not stock but shelf parts shall we say um so yes very 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 high speed sections it's really a lot about speed but it's also about the ability to be doing that speed um being good enough with your pace notes to catch the uh where the ruts and changes are um and i mean care recce is very tight into the rally it's only a couple of days before the rally so unless there's been a massive amount of rain nothing nothing will change that much but you know spectators will be going up and down the road extra ruts will appear you there will be 
extra bangs and belts and you know these are public roads trucks are using them that a truck could get stuck they'll dig it out you're driving up the road at 100 miles an hour and you're finding there's a, a, a 20 meter wide one meter deep mess in the road you know your car's going to need to be able to take that I'm afraid otherwise it's prob- you're just going to it's going to wipe its bottom and just sit there sit there with no wheels <laughs> awaiting it's, recovery later it's probably some worth guards, remembering David. George Big as well guards. before 96 so actually, mm. yeah before 96 the roads were open weren't they these were these were it was yeah. essentially no, they, were open, they were open after 96 as well they weren't closed until the very the very very end were they yeah they were still mm. open still people driving down them but I mean that, yeah. it's just remarkable isn't it that you'd come that's why we had the wing lights the wing lights were the identity for a rally car so the wing lights were in theory first of all to stop that so you had a light that was above the mud level yeah and that was a very valid point um the first what was it but the first four safari rallies I went to were completely dry Kenya never saw much rain for for four years when I first went there um were those back in the times when it was at Easter though when it, that, that was, was that was what, that was an Easter event which yeah. traditionally yeah. was the rainy season wasn't it uh, it was it was just before the rains but the rains could come yeah so that, the theory was a, a late Easter put you in in danger of of, of rains but back in mm. 1986 uh, I mean Kenya often has droughts even though it's in this fantastic subtropical zone and you know Kenya is the food basket of the world of Africa um, I mean I, I remember basically you, you go into the supermarket in Europe now certainly in Britain anyway uh, you go into Marks and Spencers and the Tesco the, the, the green beans you'll be eating will, will be from Kenya mm. and they would have been picked in the field yesterday they are they are packed on site down in, down in the, 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 the fertile area around just south of Nairobi and, and, and up in, in Navasha absolutely the area that we're going to lots and lots of greenhouses as well and not that they're necessary really the whole the whole country's a greenhouse but uh, but you do see them they, they grow flowers in them as well so all the flowers that go that you see in the in Amsterdam they're all coming from Kenya now you know <laughs> but but you, they're, they're packed they're packed in the afternoon they're driven down to Nairobi they go on a night freighter and they arrive in Britain at five or six in the morning and they're out in the shops on the shelves by ten o'clock and by, by the way I've, I've been in one of those packing <laughs> plants and you can see them they're even labeled they've got the barcode labels on them the sell by date and the price in pounds mm. stamped on wow in, in, a, in a factory in Naivasha it's bizarre when you first <laughs> that's, see it that's it's, another it's, thing to add to my list of, of yeah. adventures I'm going yeah. on safari and I'm going to a bean factory but also as well also, I want to see also it. we're going to go to <laughs> definitely going to go and see the good Dr. Dawa at Carnival's restaurant which was oh, an yes. absolute Look, must I can, I can do first... you an adventure I'll do you an adventure Colin uh, the, 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 this lovely big volcano I've talked about Suswa now the, the rally is running around there a little bit not doesn't go right around Suswa but it's doing a fair little bit around there but there's some old tracks and I've got a lovely book that describes what is it called I think it was called 50, 50 tracks in Kenya and it was to unusual places and up on this Suswa this old volcano there is massive caves lava tube caves oh, so you can drive oh. up there and it's 20 kilometres up this real proper goat track and, and literally you're, you're pushing your way through the bush <laughs> yeah I like that George, higher George, car, you... higher well, car be, be nasty damned. bats in I, I, there though yeah I do like uh, that no, but no I, I didn't prefer... see any nasty bats didn't see any yeah, nasty no, bats no 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 and I've no, been no, into no, those I've been into those lava caves and they are spectacular yeah alright but that'll for, come after they run for 20-30 kilometres stunning that'll come after Dr. Dawa and Carnivores hot springs we're running through Hell's Gate Hell's Gate Park <laughs> there's lots of gorges down there there's hot springs popping out well there's there's huge thermal power stations there in Hell's Gate Park so yeah. you know yeah, it's, all, it's all edgy stuff you know that, that'll actually I, that'll come call that, that'll all come before Dr. Dawa and eating crocodile <laughs> and ostrich and yeah it is. But this what, is what I want to hear about, what, David. What, I want to hear it, about the drinks. It was all fantastic. <laughs> 
fabulous. It's all Tusker beer. It's all, yeah, it's all there waiting for us. <laughs> but one thing that makes me a little bit sad about Safari Rally is that, you know, you look at the, the history of the event and it's one of those rallies where local drivers could always do incredibly well. I mean, the, the last one, yes. we had the people like Ian Duncan, but before that, you Absolutely. know, it was Jaginder Singh and Shekhar Mehta and all these great, great names um, from days gone by in, in cars like Datsuns and, and these kind of things. And th- there won't really be any scope for that anymore. And there hasn't been in, in the sort of latter-day history of the Safari. Uh, obviously, the last the last WRC round there was 2002. Uh, and unlike George, my memory of 2002 is, is magnificent because it was an, another Colin McRae win. Uh, but it was a typical Colin McRae win that he just completely controlled the event, almost from, I don't know, midway through the first day or something. And it was back in the time that I think I was still working for Motoring News then. Uh, and David Williams was was there reporting on the event. And DKW used to write uh, Colin's uh, column, driver column for Motoring News. And I remember we were... Oh, did Colin not write that himself? Yes, of course oh, no, he did. Just, you've, you've shattered, uh, you've shattered and that And we were sort of midway then. through the penultimate day, which I, in those days, I think it was back, it was a three-day event, just like every other WRC round. So we were midway through Saturday. Uh, and there was not a lot to talk about because Colin was just cruising uh, and driving quite happily. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> Colin said to DKW, should we do the column now? <laughs> so confident was he that he'd still got half of the safari to go. Uh, but he was oh. supremely confident <clears throat> in the car. You know, those those focused... The, the, the Malcolm Wilson's focuses that he was driving, they were absolutely bulletproof. Um, Lovely cars. Brilliant and, and, car, that focus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at, the, you know, we were up at M Sport last week, Col, and one of the mm. absolute best memories that Malcolm has is of the 1999 focus, which astonishingly, you know, after I think they'd had two events, Monty and Sweden, uh, where they'd been fastest times, but there'd been issues um, with that brand new focus in 99. Then they went to, to Safari and won. Uh, Wasn't it a one that two? Was, that was an amazing uh, an amazing drive yeah. from, from, from Colin and, and that was a brilliant car absolutely it, brilliant car it, it absolutely was so yeah, yeah but, mm. but my point now was that we that there's, there's not really the local flavour in terms of drivers anymore is there? No there's not there's not mm. but um, you know, is I think that I still money think related? The, the, oh, totally mm. of, of mm. course there's, there's no other yeah. reason for it you know those cars are not accessible I mean if if if, if we were in, in a car that you, know, you could buy for £200,000 I think you'd find you know the, the local importers would be Spending the money on the local drivers, the Patrick and Judas, or the the, mm. the replacements for Patrick, he'll be he'll be out of it now. Um, I, I would imagine even Ian Duncan would try and get back out uh, and just and just have a little go again. And you'd be surprised how well some of these guys might do. But that's um, it, you know, it was so much of that event was local knowledge, wasn't it? You know, you talked yeah, about the, the 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 rain there, George, and and when it did rain because there was a lot of volcanic ash around, mm. it yeah. would become like that. They called it black cotton, didn't they? And it black, would just black cotton, yeah. And, and it, it just. It, it, you know, to find a way through there was as as easy for the locals as it would be for Elvin yeah. Evans to find the grip yeah. in in a wet W it. or well, something like they, that. They, they they would they would they would automatically do all the time what Colin did, uh, what you, what you saw Colin doing, uh, going off route. Um, mm. Uh, mm. Colin Clark, that, that that's you know what what you saw McRae doing there was, was mm. exactly what the locals could do all the time, and they 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 they, they learned the roads off pat. They'd been down there all their lives. They knew that when it rained or when it was a bit damp, go off to the left. 
left if there's a lot bigger downpour go off to the right but go behind that that particular um, flame tree and, 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 and keep going for 400 metres and then there's a wee track to the left and down and it's kind of I suppose there was a bit of that there was a bit of route finding going on a bit of an adventure and those guys didn't have helicopters the local guys the, of course the um, our guys uh, did latterly so it was, it was quite exciting but we were talking about the cars earlier and of course as usual I digressed and got completely off track they, they, they will be allowed to make changes the biggest thing of all in Safari for me right now with these modern cars I would have the biggest strongest sump guard I could get on that car not, not necessarily heavy but I would have a seriously big thick sump guard that can A absorb shock and B not come off the car sump guards coming mm. off rally cars is something that I've seen a little bit of in the last 15-20 years occasionally the sump guard comes off the car I mean that car should be able to roll down the road be a banana and that sump guard should still be on the car and I think yeah. that, that will, that will protect them that will protect them massively as as yeah. for all the, the I mean I, I imagine that one of the dispensations will be able to remove a lot of the front uh, the front air dam but you know the first rough bit you come to it'll all be gone anyway if, the, if they've not got that better to design it in in the first place and, and keep some airflow than try and maximise your airflow because it's just going to get wiped off unless of course they've managed to pick unbelievably smooth roads but when I, when I saw the map I looked at sections that had been there in, in Safari since uh, 1953 mm. uh, and some really you know three or four nice little proper wee sections that are going to be very very challenging especially for the cars and they're going to be fantastic the the footage we're going to get is going to be, you know, the, the creative guys in, in TV, all the, the, the cameramen. You know, I think they're the big losers from the we, We've all lost our safari rally and we're bemoaning it. But those TV cameramen, what an opportunity for them to, to flex their creative muscles. They'll get great shots with Suswa Crater in the back, Hellsgate National Park they're going through, Lake Naivasha, Lake Elementaita with all the with all the flamingos on it and, and the, um, the, the sulfur waters. Um, uh, with all the colours on it, uh, just amazing opportunities, and uh, you know they've got the wherewithal. They would they would have the most stunning footage that that, that they will get. But but don't 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 be disillusioned about um, uh, how how wonderful it is. Africa's um, Africa's Africa. It's, it's a it's a it, it can bite. You know those wild animals we talked about. I can tell you several <laughs> stories of people you know out for a walk. Um, uh, people people getting blasé about the fact. Oh yeah, there's lions. I'll just walk around the corner. No 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 no. You don't do that. Um, Are you saying they didn't come back? Uh, I'm saying that they didn't come back. But, Bits of but, them but, didn't come back. No, no, all, all of them oh didn't come back. But 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 lions, oh lions are dear. lions are very very gentle killers. They, they they don't actually bother killing you. They just sit on top of you and eat you alive. And if that's not horrendous mm. enough for you at this time in the morning, you're a tougher person than me. Um, <laughs> Fred Gallagher told us. Uh, well, I was sitting. I maybe shared this story down at Taita Hills, where where Bjorn had been out on uh, recce. We were we he was doing a big lap uh, out to um, I think up to. Uh, Loitoki Talk from Taita Hills it must have been about 100 kilometres up there and I think did he come back down over Chula I can't have done that much but anyway he, he, he was going to be away for about an hour and three quarters so we'd, we'd testing parts on the car so we'd, we'd fitted all the car up we retired into the into the hotel one of us had to stay by the radio 
Uh, we, we, but I think I think actually what we'd done was we'd taken us we'd taken a battery out of one of the vans, I think out of my van, and we'd taken the radio down by the pool. So we're sitting there, all the boys are just having a nice cool. <laughs> that was drink your idea, wasn't it, George? Tighter Hills. No, no, I was junior at that time. This would have been nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty-seven. I think it was the first year, first year of the Supra, as I recall. And and um, after two hours, we hadn't heard anything on the radio, and we're wondering whether the radio's working well enough by the pool. <laughs> and three hours passed. And was like, well, okay, look, the deal is we don't go looking, we stay here, they find their way back to us. That's the deal. Okay, fair enough. I'm sort of thinking, should we go out and start looking for them? But because we know where they've gone, so we, we could easily do that in the van. Uh, but anyway, we didn't, we waited. And then all of a sudden, uh, Fred Gallagher appears. Um, I, well, I think I was sitting up in the van when he appeared. Um, and he got out of this tourist van, as you might expect. And he was white as a sheet. So I was sitting, I was sitting in the, I think I, I probably I was sitting on a, a bunch of tyres outside the, so we're in the hotel car park about 50 metres from the hotel towards this little airfield and Fred Gallagher uh, comes out of the van and he said I've just seen a whole lot of lions there at the end of the runway at the, on, the, on the blind corner there I said oh crikey I'm sitting here in the van you know 40-50 metres away from them you know I'd been half asleep they could have come and had a, a meal with me not a problem nobody else around but Fred had been on this tourist bus and he'd said just drop me off at the bottom of the main road and I'll walk up <laughs> and the driver, the driver had said no no I'll take you up he'd driven up and around this corner and here's this pride of lions like 15, 20 lines just sitting there and it's a blind corner there's bushes all the way up and then you turn the corner literally 90 degrees and it's 50 metres across the middle of the runway or t- I think towards the top end of the runway actually but you're you're certainly behind the turn point so you're in front of the turn point effectively the airplanes cross that road when they're taking off and landing um, lovely sign saying look out for the planes you know anyway Fred Fred would have turned that corner out the bushes and been confronted with a pride of 15 lions and now you could go back down to the main road where there's nothing there's no shelter there's no house to nip into nothing they certainly couldn't cross the way what would have happened to him you know and you don't you don't think about it I mean that was that was a road we drove all the time it's just right outside the game park where you see lots of lines you don't think about it you, you didn't think about it I, um, I, that, I'd think about it George I think we didn't think about it and, and, and <laughs> I remember Fred he was as white as a sheet saying Jesus I, I, was, I mean I, I'd more or less insisted because he'd been in the back of this tourist bus he was looking to stretch his legs you know um, Bjorn yeah. had stayed with the car and actually you know, I think uh, Bjorn stayed with the car, but he got he got a tow because the car did arrive back uh, just as we were getting ready to go. Bjorn arrived on the end of a tow rope, he got blown its engine. Well, George, boy, but George, anyway, that you, same you know place, whole load of scorpions. We were working on the <laughs> ground, no ground sheets. And I remember somebody kicking over a stone, saying, "You should be, it shouldn't be on the ground here. What are you talking about? We've been coming here for several years, and and uh, we never had a problem." He said, "The scorpions everywhere. Never seen one. Kicks over a stone next to your foot, and here's this lo- lovely little, clear, small but completely uh-huh. translucent scorpion. Maybe maybe it's about <laughs> three or four centimeters long. Not a really big one, but apparently they're the worst. <laughs> they don't need to be big, George. They don't need to be big, George. Listen, as you know, George and David, I have a penchant, a penchant for hiring." Convertible cars. <laughs> I, yeah. I think. I think. I think. When we go to Nairobi next year, I'll not be hiring a convertible. I, I really won't. I can't no. see them. I'd love to be able to get that beautiful full vista, you know, from the, a roofless car. But the, the thought of something jumping in with me is just a little bit too much. Or chewing really through is. the roof. Well, there is that. If I make, there if is I that make, as well. There, there's, there's many, many uh, national parks to go to. But, but if I was making a recommendation to anyone that's looking for just, just uh, two or three days safari after the event, uh, out to Wilson Airport onto an airplane, uh, about um, a 55 minute flight in uh, what could be an old DC three 
Douglas Dakota converted converted with gas turbine engines, or uh, De Havilland Dash Dash Eight, uh, or or a little twin otter um, aircraft, um, or even even something more boring like an F fifty or an older F twenty seven, very noisy. <laughs> fly out to um, fly out to um, Masai Mara. There are lots of hotels, serenas, uh, river camps, uh, really really nice hotels, uh, camping hotels basically. Some some of them some of them are rooms. You might prefer the the concrete room type calling up on up on an escarpment. No, no, Beautiful. George, I'm, Beautiful. I'm into my camping, thank you. Uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got a sense of adventure. Well, line, there's no history of lines ever entering any Sorry, tents and stealing clock? people calling. There's, there's, no, there's no record of that at all um, uh, because uh, the people that were taken by them never reported it, oddly enough. But, you know, t- take three days, you will see everything. It is amazing. You'll even see rhinos, but you'll never see a rhino um, on its own. It's always It's always got somebody with it. It's always got a man with a gun with it protecting it, which is very, very sad, mm-hmm. but very lovely sad. that the Kenyan mm-hmm. government and the Kenyan Wildlife Service puts 24-hour guards on all the rhinos. And as a result, the rhinos, they have a relationship with the rhinos, these it's guys. Amazing. You know, they're, they're, they're friendly. They're, they are gorgeous. They're, yeah, they're well, basically, I'm not going to go and say hello to a rhino. That's well, for sure. I, I have done. And I, was, I was quite scared, Colin. I've got a video of this with myself and, a, and one of my colleagues, uh, Norman Burns. We'd, we'd gone out after we'd done a clear-up in uh, before Christmas. We'd gone out to do a clear-up in, in Kenya, bring a whole lot of stuff back, and we had two or three days spare. Right, come on, we're going. Off we went out to the, the mm. Mara. And we went on this. We were in a minibus like everyone else. Off out, found the rhino. Uh, there's the guard. Um, and there's the rhino. And we're, we, we, we walked around it with the guard. And, and we came within, I don't know, 10 metres of this rhino. And it, it looked at us and it started to snort and make a bit of a noise. <laughs> I'm thinking, it's, got this, it's huge. I, mean, I don't know what a rhino weighs. Is it a couple of tonnes? It's a huge thing. And it's a gorgeous, almost prehistoric beast and, and quite elegant in its own way. Very refined looking creature with this massive horn on the front, of course, double horn. And we're thinking, holy cow, it's coming for us. You know, and it, it stomped its feet and it came towards us and I'm standing there filming this and I said to the guard who was a very friendly chap I said uh, at what point do we run he said no 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 he said not a problem just stay here and this guy has his rifle over his back and he's got this long sort of uh, a stick flexible like just a little twig that's probably a metre and a half long and he's using it to, to you know with a few leaves on the top he's using it to keep flies away just flipping it through the air as you might and um, he reaches down and picks up a little pebble now this pebble was the size of a, a stone chip that you would get in your garden you know a centre Centimeter square sort of type thing. He picked up this wee stone and this. Uh, th- but by the time this this rhinoceros got to within five meters, I was getting very scared. As was everybody else in the group. We were all huddling, sort of so- somewhere closer together and trying to shuffle back. And the guard saying, "No, no, don't move, don't move." And he, he takes this wee stone and he flings it at the at the uh, the rhino, and it bounces off his nose and it goes oh, and backs away and it almost shakes its head and just just takes a few steps backwards and then goes back to grazing. I think it's like, what what happened there? I still don't know what. Happened, but obviously the rhino, the rhino was was chastened by the guard, and it, it went away. How good was that? Amazing! I have to say, I, I am missing the fact that we're not having safari, but uh, yeah. I can't wait for it to be on the schedule next year. Now we are running a little bit out of time, but Colin, David, you need to tell us about your trip to M Sport last week. 
in fairness, Lise, I don't think we do. I think we have <laughs> we have a whole load of videos coming, don't we, Colt? So oh, what, yeah. why don't we just say we what? went uh, and we uh, we experienced fabulous Cumbrian hospitality? Uh, and we have to say that, yeah, we yeah, absolutely because it was do. wonderful. And but it will all, yeah. you know, just stay tuned to dirtfish.com and you will see everything and literally everything: the old, the good, the bad, the future. It's all there. Oh, okay, George. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accepting that. Are you <laughs> suggesting I've talked too long as normal? No, you're, that's them just uh, being coy and very right. pleased with themselves with their trip I to. I think they're wanting breakfast, Lisa. Is what they're actually wanting. That is. They want, they want to get no, the was, um, second cup of coffee. No. It was a great trip, and as David says, we, we we've got a whole lot of stuff coming out from Cumbria. But it was it was certainly good to see the. Uh, you know, it's been a tough time for them up there. That's absolutely for sure. The past three or four months, but it was. Good Good to see the planning for the future and the optimism mm. uh, that's still there. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people have concerns, don't they, about uh, lots of companies at this time. Uh, mm. But it was really, really good to see to see and to feel the optimism. But as David said, it's all to come on Dirtfish.com over the, the coming weeks. Dovenby Hall is an absolutely amazing place. Uh, and anyone who's been there will know what a, what a special feeling it's got there. So I'm looking forward to seeing all those videos on Dirtfish.com. And if you have been interested, if you've uh, really enjoyed reliving some of George's safari experiences, there are more on the website as well. And if you click through, hopefully, David, you're going to put this in the little blurb at the top. You should be able to go back and hear not only George's reminiscences of the 1990s and safari rally, but also Derek Dauncey as well here on dirtfish.com. So I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. It has been um, great for the last hour or so. I feel like I've been um, back on yeah the Kenyan plains and the Kenyan valleys yeah. it's just been absolutely brilliant George thank you very much thank you David yeah, thank no, you Colin thank you thank you George thank you thanks guys. Lisa great thanks well, much. just 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 to, just to wind that one up I'm, I'm sure that Safari <laughs> Rally when it comes is going to be great it will be sufficiently different to have maintained in, its, in in a much smaller microcosmic form but it will feel like a Safari Rally it will be different it will be wonderful and you'll be able to hear about it all on dirtfish.com 